How's it going, coaches? If you'd like to support our coaches and the podcast, go to the store section of our website, runthepower.com, and choose from three different designs of t-shirts, long sleeves, and sweatshirts, costing as little as $20. We are now partnering with Lyman Performance to give our listeners the best deal to date on their suit bone landmine attachment, which is a sleeve attachment for a standard weightlifting bar that allows athletes to keep their elbows in while executing landmine movements. Go to linemanperformance.com, order their product, and enter the code RTPNATION in all capital letters at checkout to get $10 off your order and a free RTP t-shirt. Again, go to linemanperformance.com, enter RTPNATION in all caps at checkout for $10 off and a free podcast t-shirt. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Powerlift. We don't just like Powerlift because of their awesome name. We also use Powerlift, Broken Arrow, and Ankeny to design both of our facilities. They not only have a good product, they also have a bunch of good dudes. They don't come off as those greasy bad car salesmen that you run into a lot of the time. Instead, you get to work with guys like former guest J.R. Conrad, guys that truly care about the game and your football team and want to help you build your strength program. Powerlift is a trusted program that is designed in the University of Oklahoma, University of Iowa, Baylor University, and Mater D High School's weight facility just in the last few years, along with many, many more. Let Powerlift take your unique needs and use them to design your state-of-the-art facility. From concept to completion, choose Powerlift. Powerful ideas, powerful results, made in the USA. Go check out Powerlift at power-lift.com. Again, for any of your weight facility needs, go check out Powerlift at power-lift.com and tell them Run the Power sent you. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by SkyCoach. SkyCoach is a proven sideline replay technology that will give you the advantage over opponents utilizing anything else. It's got 24-7 support, a flexible network that works in any stadium, any size crowd, and the most reliable, innovative software available. We use this at Broken Arrow. Uh, We've got the butt shot and the wide shot. It is crucial in games to be able to see that. I can tell, uh, did a team get into four and four eyes? Are they just really loose threes? Uh, Is it a a tight shade or is he head up? Um, It works great for us. I can tell where they're slanting, when they're blitzing. Uh, You know, so many times you've had a kid come off the field and say they're getting uh, a guy blitzing in every gap, right? But here you can go back, you can look at it. We've got our OC up in the press box looking at the wide, me on the sideline looking at the tight, and we can actually hook these up to TVs on the sideline, show the kids. It works great. It's worked every time. Uh, I love being able to use it. Sky Coach, to be the best, you must use the best. Don't let your team down by choosing something inferior. Sky Coach, the market leader in sideline replay. Visit them at myskycoach.com to learn more. Again, if you want a great sideline replay, go to myskycoach.com to learn more. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Attack Academy. Team Attack Academy is an online football development site for football players and coaches of all levels. It's the most powerful teaching tool introduced into the game today to raise the level of playing and coaching football. After using Team Attack Academy, your athletes and coaches will outplay, outwork, and outsmart their opponents, guaranteed. Go check them out at their website, teamattackacademy.com. On today's episode of RTP, we talk with John Flynn. Coach Flynn was the offensive line coach at South Dakota State University in Brookings, South Dakota. Prior to South Dakota State, Coach Flynn was a coach and offensive lineman at the University of Oklahoma under Bob Stoops. Listen as we talk with Coach Flynn about the finer points of inside zone and one-back power, coaching and playing center position, and having one of the best rushing attacks ever at South Dakota State. 
where his running back Zach Zenner rushed for over 2,000 yards in three straight seasons. You can follow Coach Flynn on Twitter at JohnWFlynn73. Hope you guys enjoy. What is the word, man? What are y'all doing? Dude, we're, we're just in the presence of greatness right now. All of a sudden, my, my life just went from like like 96% all the way up to 100%. It's like a damn battery, which is a good thing. <laughs> oh, geez, man. I can't believe you wanted some, you, you wanted some slap like me to talk on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're changing the name. It's good. You're coming out that week. We're calling it Slappy Week. So we, you were the <laughs> first week, guy that – Slap Week. Yeah, you were the first guy that came to mind, man. Turn it into a turn it into a comedy show. <laughs> I've been thinking we need to do that anyways. I'm Coach telling you, I get more viewers, more <laughs> listeners. <laughs> That's probably why they tune in anyway. Like, God, listen to these two morons. <laughs> <laughs> Co- Coach, well, I uh, Coach, I appreciate y'all having me, man. Dude, it it, it was absolutely. Uh, Absolutely a no-brainer. We wanted to get you on. Uh, Coach Harper, this is Coach Flynn. I met him. Uh, it was kind of through some some other buddies, but it's, it's a funny story, and I guess we can get into it on the podcast, but he actually beat me out for the, the South Dakota State job, man. I just swallow some pride. He's a really good yeah, dude, though, man. He'll have a blast. Uh, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, man. SDSU is a special place, man. It was, uh, it was one of the few that I had on my list if I was going to stay in. In college ball, that was one place I wanted to go. So, so Flynn, we'll uh, we'll get rolling here. Um, okay. I I'd kind of met you, like I said, through you know, through some common friends or whatever, and and, and obviously once sure. I talked to you a couple of times, it was it was literally like being long lost brothers, and we we had some really good conversations. And I was always, like I said, a, a huge fan of the stuff you did up at at South Dakota State. So I knew I wanted to get you on eventually. You know, you, you had some guys playing the league. You guys did some some good things, and of course, you know, you you did beat me out for the job there at, at South Dakota State. But I knew it was probably a foregone conclusion. Uh, you had a few bigger names on your resume than I did. Uh, Denver Johnson didn't have quite the stroke as as Bob Stoops does. Sure. <laughs> yeah, but I but Denver Johnson's a hell of a coach, though. I never got to meet him. He's on my bucket list of guys to meet. He's he's one phenomenal dude. I tell you what, it was it was a good guy to to kind of learn some of the game from. But uh, coach, if you kind of walk us through, you know, a little bit of of your life. I know you grew up in Oklahoma. You you went to OU, and uh, had obviously coached there. And then I think kind of your your first foray into to college ball was at South Dakota State. So I'll let you kind of tell your story uh, about how you got into sure. coaching, and and just let you roll from there. Sure. Well. You know, you're you're right. I'm I'm an Oklahoma kid. I grew up in Anadarko, Oklahoma, uh, just north of Lawton, and wound up being very very fortunate to uh, walk on at OU and, and and play for Coach Stoops. And uh, you know, and I, I played there from 01 to 04, and, and you know, we were fortunate to win a bunch of ball games and a couple of Big 12 championships, and and just you know, played with a lot of a lot of great football players. A lot of guys were way better than I was, but uh, as soon as I got finished playing, you know, to be to be quite frank with you, I, I wasn't sure. I mean, I knew I wanted to coach, 
but I wasn't sure if I should take time off or just kind of go do something else and come back to it. Well, I, I took about six months and, and realized after I got finished playing that, that it was something, you know, that I wanted to do it and I wanted to be a GA and, um, you know, and I, I, you know, of course, like any, like anybody else trying to be a GA, they, they send, you know, you send your resume out and you try to get, you know, you'd be toxic coach Stoops and guys that you know that, you know, hopefully get you kind of that first GA spot. Well, I have, didn't have a lot of luck with that. And, uh, you know, just kind of cold calling the resumes and then, you know, talking with coach Stoops, hey, you know, I kind of had to buy my time a little bit. So I kind of set out the 05 and 06 season. And then right before the 07 season started in, uh, in August, they, th- this was back when they first had kind of started with those quality control positions. And, and that was kind yeah. of an unheard of deal then. And I remember Bob coming up to me and Wayne Chambers, who used to coach at Missouri State. That's another story because, of course, we were in the same league when I was at FDSU, so that was fun to coach against him. But anyways, Wayne Chambers and I played at OU, and, and right around that 07 season, Bob had kind of approached both of us and said, hey, you know, we got a new position. It's called quality control. We're going to have one for offense and one for defense if you guys are interested. Well, that was a no-brainer. So I joined the team in, in 07 and basically was a quality control coach for two years and just, you know, did a lot of stuff behind the scenes, breaking down film and being in staff meetings and just trying to help out any way I can. And then Right before the 2009 season started, our GA at the time, he uh, left. And then um, they, Bob, of course, wound up promoting me to offensive GA. And I did that from 09 to 11 and helped out with the old line. Our old line coach at the time was a guy by the name of James Patton. I think he's at Pitt now. Yep. But uh, got to coach under, you know, Kevin Wilson, which I played for Wills at OU. And then got to coach underneath him as well. And, and so, you know, Josh Heifel and all those guys. I, I just it, it was just like a crash course in who you want to learn football with so I've been very blessed to learn from those guys and coach with them and everything else well the 2011 season my GA ship was up and of course again back kind of to the grind of cold calling people and looking for jobs and grinding went to the convention and just kind of did what everybody else did try to reevaluate and figure out okay do I want to coach high school ball, and if I do, then do I want to stay in Oklahoma? Do I want to go to Texas? What do I, you know, what do I want to do? And then the South Dakota State offensive line position opened up, and I'll be honest, it's crazy. I found Coach Stig. I found his office number, I think it was, on, on the Internet, and wound up cold calling him, and, he, he, and I left him a voicemail, told him who I was and all that stuff. And I'm thinking, man, this guy's never going to call me back. You know what I mean? It's just I don't know anybody. I had no connection at SDSU. And then just randomly, and I'll never forget it, it was on like a Thursday or something in late January of 2012. And uh, he calls me back. And he basically said, this is the process. This is what you do. You know, you have to apply because, you know, we're a state school, et cetera, et cetera. So I did all that. Yep. And shoot, got a couple of phone calls a week later, interviewed, and then, you know, coach called me and basically said, call in to see if you want to move up to Brookings. And I said, hell yeah, I'm in. <laughs> so, um, and you'd never been to Brookings before, of, had you? No, i never been well outside of the interview. It was kind of funny. So uh, Josh Heupel, you know, of course, is from Aberdeen. 
Yep. And when I got the inter- when I got the interview at SDSU, he we found it kind of funny because he was like, "Hey, I'm a South Dakota boy in Oklahoma, and you're an Oklahoma boy about to go interview in South Dakota." And he, he said, "Make sure you take your coat with you." And I was like, "Oh, I can't be that bad, you know." So no, no, no. I, I, Make sure you up, take your coat with uh, yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like no, and, and I get up there, and you know, it's like I think I get off the flight, and a student coach came and got me, and it was like in the twenties, maybe thirty. And of course, my not you know me naive, I, I go, uh, "Oh yeah, it is. It is pretty cold in South Dakota." And he tells me, "Yeah, we're supposed to get a cold front in tonight." <laughs> I was like, "I'm sorry." I'm sorry, what? You know, and kid you not, woke up the next morning to go have breakfast with a few of the coaches, and it was minus four degrees. I'll never forget. Oh, my goodness. I was like, what have I gotten myself into? And there's snow on the ground, and it was just miserable. But anyways, man, I tell you what, we shoot, my, you know, went home and told my wife that's where we needed to be, and it worked out. So that's, and she went, that's she, my story. I say she she went along with it too. I mean, she she was pretty uh, pretty supportive of all the the stuff you'd done. I remember you telling me a couple of times, like, man, she's awesome. She's all all about the life. And, and did she enjoy you know some of the college stuff as well? I think there's some people that listen here. You know, they kind of oh. want to hear hear that for their wives and stuff like that too, man. Uh, absolutely. I, I tell you what, I'm probably as blessed a, a guy as, as you can see. I you know my my wife was fantastic she grew up an OU fan that's where we met she was a trainer my uh during my senior year and that's where we met and we wound up dating afterwards but she was a football fan through and through loves football still does I mean watches it every Saturday she is a college girl she doesn't you know she's not really big into watching the NFL unless it's you know somebody I used to coach or whatever so you know she genuinely cares about the guys that we coached and she was a fantastic O-line coach's wife great cook you know how it is man you got 20 fat guys over at your house in August, you know, you got to make sure you roll out the red carpet. So she's fantastic, man. I, I, I couldn't be more blessed. Hey, that's the most important when you have the guys over and, and they say, man, now this is some good food. That's when you know you've made it. No doubt. You know what? And I could, I could send you a list of names of guys to call because I still get text messages from those guys who go, oh, coach, you know, I love Jen's up would be a cheesecake and I love her queso and barbecue and I still get that stuff all the time so it uh yeah very very blessed because you know I mean a, a lot of a lot of old you know older coaches experienced guys listening to me man your wife can or, or at least your support system your girlfriend I mean she's got to be bought in man because if she's not you know then your career is going to suffer and you as a coach are, are going to suffer and you know, but when you got a fantastic wife that's on board and and uh, you know checks off a lot of those boxes, man, I don't care what position you coach. If she's in, she's in, and it's you know it just makes it a lot better. Oh, you're right. And your and your life suffers. You know, you, you know, you want to enjoy your your couple hours that you get at the house, or, or less than that, I'm sure, even at, at the college level. And then um, if she's not happy with those couple hours, you're home. It's it's not a fun experience. No doubt. No doubt about it. Hundred percent agree. Now, are there going to be tough times? Of course there are. Um, you, you know, it's it's not all roses and butterflies. You know, you're not riding off into the sunset every day. But, um, but you know, on Saturdays, man, when you win, she wins. When you lose, she loses. And and it's just she's right there with you. So. Um, can't stress how important that is. I like telling me because it, it kind of it kind of ties into one of the things you'd said. You know, the the questionnaire we sent out. You said, 
you know, there, there is more to the game than just winning. You said, you know, losing teaches us a lot more about ourselves. And I think it also kind of teaches you a lot about, you know, who, who you can fight with, who's in my corner, who can I count on, you know, because it's easy to be the front runner when everyone's patting you on the back and, and buying you drinks and, and, and walking around town and saying how awesome you guys are. That stuff's easy. You know, but when, when, when oh, losing yeah. hits, that's when you kind of really find out, all right, who, who are the real dudes, who really cares about it, you know, how, how bought in is, is my wife, you know, when it's, when it's minus four and, and we're not winning, you know. Right. Well, and it's, you know, it's one of those, and, and, and I'll never forget this, and, and this, if this is not a testament to how awesome my wife is, we, we played at, uh, in 2012, we played at Southern Illinois, and we wound up beating them, uh, in the final seconds, I mean, we we're we're back we're backed up on like our own ten, and we're driving it, and, and this is the last series of the game, and it's like you know we're, I think we're down by three or four or something like that. I don't remember, but super stressful time, right? I mean, it's conference, we're trying to win, and we're backed up. My center has a bad snap, and I mean, it's just it's, it's things are going bad. Anyways, we wind up winning in the very end. I mean, threw a pass. Uh, Austin Sumner throws a pass. Uh, Trevor Stevens taller. And, man, we're going crazy. And I tell you what, that was a trip. And Coach Stig was awesome. We always had a wife's trip every year. And that was one of the trips that the wives got to go on. And my wife, kid you not, was probably, I can't remember, six or seven months pregnant in the stands with my son jumping up and down, going crazy. And, like, <laughs> after the game, give me a big hug. And it's just, you know, it's things like that that, you know, you, you hold on to those types of things, you know. You mentioned the the hot snap by the center. That's always that's always my uh, curiosity with that. Is is um, you know it's probably better not to yell at the guy, tell him let's get going. But he has a couple of those even at practice. Then the head coach is kind of staring at you like, "Hell, oh, why aren't you coaching or, or yelling at your guy?" Well, it's funny. I'm telling you, you know, I, I uh, Kevin Wilson once said when I was a player, he said the the O line coach that yells on Saturdays is the coach that didn't do his job during the week. There you go. And, and and I've never forgotten that. And so on Saturdays, man, I try not to ride the wave, not a lot of yelling and screaming, if anything, a lot of celebrating. Um, you know, if, you know, after the series. You know, because, of course, we, we won the game off that last series. I don't think I ever brought the bad snap up to him. And, in fact, it wasn't a bad snap. I think the snap count was a little off or something, and he snapped it early is what happened. So, you know, but, yeah, you, 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 you know, you want to coach. And, it's you know, it's like uh, – it's like when a batter's in a slump or you got a golfer that keeps slicing it or whatever, a part of you says, well, you can go coach them and you can kind of help correct it. But a lot of the times you don't want to screw them up either. Right. So it is a fine line on like, what do I do? How do I coach it? How do I say it? You know, cause like a uh, Jacob bonus for you just graduated four year starter started more games than anybody at SDSU. Fantastic center. You know, he was a guy that if there was a bad snap, I didn't have to say a word to him. Yeah. I knew, I knew, I just, he, he would just look at me and be like, coach, I got it. Okay, you got it. I ain't going to say a word to you, you know. Um, so, you know, I think it depends on who you're coaching, too. Sure, but no, nothing makes, you know, and, and at the high school level with me, nothing makes me more nervous. I, I think then uh, seven on seven when we're trying to break in a new young, young center and we're snapping full live and, uh, <laughs> and he hot snaps it and, and – uh, uh, double hops the quarterback and and he's getting yelled at at seven on seven i'm just like oh geez brutal yeah, what am i what do, what do we do yeah and That's it's, right. it's the worst because there's a good chance he was he was he was sharp in practice right 
Right. And yeah. All of a sudden, it gets out there and, and, and it's heated up, and it's like, oh, geez, what's going on here? You know? <laughs> what do you do? That's and right. uh, well, and you know, it's funny too because like I, I played center my whole life. You know, I've, I've snapped the ball since I was twelve years old, and so you know that that to me, I take that position personally. So you know, if if, if anybody's going to get the snap, it's going to be a guy that I coach, right? And anytime it doesn't happen, you, you know, a little part of your personal pride kind of hits you. Sure. You know. <laughs> but uh anyways that center that's that's interesting coach you, you know you say you were a center so I, I assume um you know like you said that's kind of your you know not I don't say forte but you know like you said you want to make sure that that they do well um I don't think that there's a whole lot of offensive line coaches that I've been around that that um you know treat the center as special as as probably they should as far as different techniques for a center because he's on a completely different line than than all the other offensive linemen are he's got one arm that he can't use and one that he can and I think it's it needs to probably be coached a little bit more specialized than than it is and I've had a couple coaches that that have done a good job of it but for the most part um you know it seems like there's a lot of offensive line coaches that don't do a good enough job and I'm included um, of being able to coach that center position a little bit uh, special compared to the other positions? Well, well, one thing that I tried to do was, so for example, I, I, I coach, of course, you know, I coach with Josh Heifel. And, and one, one thing that Hype used to do that I really took notice of when I was GAing was he would always pull the quarterbacks aside and almost kind of have a one-on-one with them, you know, like, what, what, you know, what plays do they like? What reads do they like? What do they not like? What do they feel good about? What do they not feel good about? And I always admired that. And, and so one thing that I did when I was coaching the line in state, I, I used to do that with my centers. Hmm. I'd pull them aside a couple of times a week, especially like on Wednesday, because Wednesday was always our you know third to short goal line day. You know, after that practice, usually everything is in. You know, you do your two-minute and all that other stuff on Thursday. But I would always kind of pull them aside and be like, all right, how do you, how are you guys feeling about the game plan? What do you like? What do you not like? Is there anything that rubs you the wrong way? Is there anything that, that we should pay more attention to? You know, and, and I would encourage those guys to be super honest with me because then I would go to our OC and tell them, hey, my guys don't, don't feel really good about this. What do you guys think? Um, and sometimes I would get kind of overruled. Sometimes I wouldn't. Sometimes we throw things out. Sometimes it was like, well, you know, I would tell e, uh, Eric Eisen, who's the OC at State, I, he'd say, well, you know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll, maybe we'll, maybe I'll just call it a few times. I won't rely on it, you know. So I used to do that with my centers. And what it did is it really gave them a lot of ownership in terms of what they were doing in the game plan because they're making calls and stuff and they're, you know, they're the smart guys and they're calling out blocking schemes and everything else. So that was something that I, I kind of handed the reins over to them a little bit, gave them some ownership and they really took that and ran with it. And, and I did that with a lot of the line too. I would ask those guys their opinions because I mean, let's be honest. I can sit there and tell them all day long about what they should do, how they do it. They better do it. And this is just kind of what it is. Versus just saying, what do you guys think? You know, and, and, and I could overrule them. I'd say, well, that's, you know, that's just the way we're going to do it. You know, right. like there's not a different yeah. way to do it, right? And, and sometimes that happens. And, and you know, but, but then the guys understand that you're listening to them, you know? And so, you know, that's that's one of the things that we did and I thought was, was pretty good, you know, that Hype used to do. And I kind of took that from him. I love that, man. They call it horizontal leadership. So, I mean, it's, it's not you just, just – 
just directing it to them and, and making orders all the time. They feel like they, they do have a say. And, and at the same time, you know, if, if there's another way that, that you wanted it or a better way that you, you wanted to do it, you could always at least kind of sell it to them and you tell them why. So now that kind of gave them right. the, the, the motive and the motivation. And all of a sudden now when they heard why, they could be like, oh, okay, yeah, Coach Flynn, that, that makes perfect sense. You know, I had it all wrong. So maybe there was a disconnect there or whatever it is. But, you know, by, by empowering those kids, you open those lines of communication. Now you get that stuff solved. And it's not just something that's festering on Saturday, you know? No doubt. No doubt. Well, and it, and it helps them, too, when they're watching film on their own. You know, because I, I only get, you know, X amount of time with those guys, you know, every week, right? So a yeah. lot of those guys, you know, you, 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 you kind of give them the ownership of watching film on their own, watching. Because those guys, you know, with huddling and all that stuff, man, they'll, they'll watch film on their iPads in their dorm rooms or at their apartments at night right after it's uploaded right after practice yep. and so by the time they watch it with me they've probably already seen it right so the more you give those guys ownership the more you start talking about technique and why we do certain things and you know or, or hey you know uh player xyz you got a little bit of freedom here to do this this and this really kind of whatever you see works for you you know you give those guys ownership because man we're all in the same boat rowing in the same direction right so mm -hmm. i'm trying to win just like they're trying to win so as soon as you start to give those guys a lot of ownership, man, they just have more fun. You're not barking orders at them and screaming at them and yelling at them and stuff. I mean, again, there's a time for that as an old line coach. Don't get me wrong. But I tell you, I just – I didn't have to do a lot of that. Well, you know, uh, when, I first, when I first started giving those guys a lot of ownership. Right, and it allows, it allows them to, to trust you, right? I mean, I, I remember in college when, when we have a coach that would never let us do what we wanted to do. If it was on Saturday yeah. and that's how we wanted to do it, we were going to do it like that anyways as far as different calls. <laughs> you know, different calls. You know, maybe not how we block things, but different calls. If we had a coach that was like, no, I want to call the um, a Molly or whatever, and then we'd say, yeah, well, we don't like that. We're not calling them that. You know, and, and maybe we wouldn't tell him, but on Saturday – you know, we were calling what we wanted to call. Whereas uh, if you no give doubt. them a little ownership and talk to them, and then there are certain things where you say, yeah, go ahead. But then there's other things that you say, no, 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 we need to do it like this because of this. Then they actually trust that and, and they'll go with that and see the importance of it, I think. No, no doubt. Well, and there are things as an online coach that you just that, that you need to control and stress out about. And trust me, naming combos is not one of them. <laughs> Hell no, man. I mean, let them call it what they want. Hell, I tell them I don't care what the hell you call it. Just make sure that you do it, you know. Sure. Uh, block these you know, guys, so please. Yeah, block this dude to this dude and make sure that they're blocked. Do your job. That's all you got to do. Make it easy. I don't care what you call it. Um, you know, I just, you know, there are things that were on my plate and that wasn't one of them. <laughs> Well, Coach, one of the things that, that was on your guys' plate is, is you guys were pretty good at, at blocking people. Um, and obviously you guys had a, a pretty good dude to, to hand it to as well. You know, Zach Zenner. You know, they, I always say, you know, running oh, yeah. backs are kind of extensions of the offensive line. And, you know, he's, he's still in the NFL, you know, playing with Detroit. So obviously yep. had some talent, but he had one offer going, going into to college, and that was South Dakota State. And he ended up being the only, the only player in FCS history to rush for – for over two grand, three straight years, and I know yep. you, you know you guys had a had a, a huge hand in that. Um, you guys were really really good at the inside zone play, so I wanted to let you kind of talk a little bit about inside zone. But I mean, you you guys were creasing that against everybody. I think you took one what ninety some against against Kansas. 
I mean, you guys, you yeah, guys that, were that able. Was, that was on power. That was that, that, that was, was a power. power. Okay, so I'd say, well, you yeah. guys. I was gonna say that was the other one. You guys were a big, you know, one back power team as well. So yeah. obviously, that's close to me and Harper's heart. Those are our two favorite plays, I would say. So I'm gonna let you kind of talk a little bit about those. You know, you guys were super successful running them, and people knew you were gonna run, and it still didn't matter. Well, you, you know, uh, one one thing that I really admire about Eric Eisen, he's the OC, I think I mentioned this, he's the OC at SDSU now. One thing I really admired about him is that even though, you know, he played college ball in Sioux Falls and he's a quarterback kind of at heart, yep. he always had the old line in mind when we were game planning. And, and so, you know, when he and I would sit down on Sundays and Mondays and he'd be like, well, you know, Flynn, what do you think? You know, we would build our run game off of our, you know, we, we basically build our run game first, jump into play action, jump into drop back, all that other stuff, right? Same as everybody else. But one thing that we would always do is that we just, we never got away from what we were good at. And I, it, it kind of hurts me a little bit when I see a lot of football teams do that. You know, they kind of just reinvent the wheel every week. And it's like, listen, just, window dress, change the formation, move guys around a little bit. Because there was one thing, you know, I, I've been asked in clinics, you know, like, how do you guys do it differently? Well, we run inside zone weak, we run inside zone strong, same as everybody else, and we just try to block it up the best way we can. You know, the thing that, that and again, I, I go back to a lot of coaches that taught me, because I'll, I'll, I'll tell you guys, I, I didn't invent anything. I'm a, I'm a play thief, I'm a technique thief. Um, I, I, there are a lot of guys that before me that, that coached me and, and made me, you know, made me the coach I was and the player I was, but you know, a lot of that stuff, I just took and ran with it. So like, again, Kevin, going back to Kevin Wilson, he would say, I don't care if you block us, if you block, I don't care if you get to the second level, we need to block the down guys first. Right. Yep. So that was a that was a big philosophy of ours going into it. Like, yeah, we can get up to the linebacker, we can get up to the second level, and or a you know a roll, you know, a week three safety or something like that. We can get up to those guys and combo to them. But if we don't block the down guy, we're not going to get anywhere. So we really focused you know, with our with our zones. We really focused on our inside zone combos, the two inside zone combos. Um, and you know, because if you can really focus on those down guys and just get a ton of movement or at least get those guys sealed up and blocked up, well, then your linebacker is going to wind up taking care of himself because he's going to have to commit one way or the other, right? Mm-hmm. So if we just took care of our solo blocks, whether it was a backside, you know, if we were running weak, if it was a backside tackle tight end combo, or if they just were able to solo back because there wasn't a run fitter there or whatever, um, we really stayed focused on the two inside zone combos, period. Um, because we just, you know, we just wanted to block the down guy. Really, that was it. Things that things that you, where we used to struggle though with inside zone was that people would slant the line on us or pirate or whatever, and so then if we knew they were doing that, we would just go to our power and you know track them up, and then all of a sudden you're kind of out the gate. So you know we just we played we played we 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 played with that a little bit. You know we always had power in the back pocket, we always had inside zone in the back pocket. Um, you know, and we would do a little bit of our search play too at a 20 personnel out of our flex formation, which um, it's something really fun watching OU play with Coach Riley because they'll get in that flex formation a lot and run that counter and then they'll run the counter F out of it and all those good. And so it's really cool to see that form. That That's my favorite formation. I used to love 20 personnel because you can motion the fullback or, you know what, get into flex formation, get into 11 personnel, use the tight end if you want, bring it in, get to a deuce set or – 
you know, shoot a uh, an early, you know, an early set, whatever you want to do, you could really play with that formation. And we did that quite a bit. And we'd run inside zone out of it. We'd run our search play out of it. We'd run two back lead zone week out of it. We, we, we would run the counter out of it. And so once you start to have kind of your top four or five formations going into a game, your inside zone really just becomes kind of a staple for you because you kind of keep the D guessing a little bit. It's like, well, if you're going to do this, we're going to do this. Right. So we're going to make you guess a little bit. And so, you know, they can fire it on us. They can plan or whatever. And a lot of the time, D line will just take themselves out of position when they do that. And so if you can just kind of get, you know, as a fat guy, if you can just kind of get in the way, well, you're, you're blocking them up that way too. Right. So, um, anyways, I don't know if that answers your question, but you know, we, that, that's one of the reasons why we're really good at inside zone. Plus too, it helps when you guys act inner behind you too. Right. So he's, <laughs> he's, uh, he, he's, he's, he's half the, uh, half the equation. That's for sure. He, I mean, he, for him, you know, he, he, I just think, you know, being a smart guy, obviously, you know, could have gone to, to med school. He probably, I think he still is taking like med school class or something like that, but it, it just seemed like he understood both those plays so well that, you know, he, he could, he could make the correct cut every single time he could get four yards every single time. And he, and he was perfectly happy with it. You know, whereas I think a lot of running backs, you run into problems because they, they all think, okay, I'm freaking home run hitter. Well, they strike out a lot more than they hit home runs. So right. he, he was just smart about, you know, keep, keeping it on his key, keeping it on his track, and boom, all of a sudden now, hey, look at that. I let the play kind of work for itself, and all of a sudden now I hammer and I hit one. Well, he was, he was so patient and, and, and really stayed focused on his technique. And he was a guy, I tell you what, man, there's nothing that fires me up more. Than, than what Zach Zinner would do. I mean, that's a guy that would hand the ball to the umpire every play. He would run through the back of the end zone when he scored, you know, and would turn around and celebrate with his teammates. I mean, it's just, you know, when I see guys doing that on Saturdays and Sundays, you know, a guy that just hands the ball to the umpire or runs through the back of the end zone, I mean, that's a special player, man. Because you, to, to me, that's rare nowadays. You know, you get a lot of guys jumping up and dancing around and, everything else and, and that's okay to do don't get me wrong but in my mind it's like well, yeah that's what you're supposed to do you're supposed to run the ball you're supposed to get first down you're supposed to run hard you're supposed you're supposed to do those things right um you know and Zach Zinner was a guy that just I mean he he had done it a thousand times in practice he's going to do it a thousand times in a game and that's what made him special that's why he's still special that's why he's a guy that plays for the Lions and and does really well. I mean, fantastic. You know what? A good, great football player, even better person. What would you say when you're talking like, so your inside zone play, and I, and I think it's funny, Coach Harper and I laugh about this all the time because you hear, oh, we're going to run zone against these teams that move all the time because we are gap sound. And I love what you said. is like, hey, when teams are really going to move, we're going to gash you with power because now they get into problems of gap fits, where they need to be. They get caught up in the wash. They get yep. caught up in the wall. I, I always thought that was funny. Teams kept trying to run zone into all these all these, you know, stunt teams, and they're just getting blown apart, whereas all of a sudden you start running power and gap against these dudes, they run themselves right out of plays. No, no, no doubt. Well, and it's, you know, and then as an O-line coach, you can beat your head on the wall for six months straight, or you can just go, screw it, we're just not going to run. You know, if, you, if you're playing a team that will pressure that Sam off the edge, you know, if he's splitting the difference between the tight end and the number two or whatever, and they're pressuring or they're slanting or they're stunting, it's just like, screw this, just – gap them up and just track it up and run power. You know, it's just it's because they're taking themselves out of position. And at some point in time, 
you're going to make a lot of money off that and essentially hold them, you know, hold the D-line accountable. Like, hey, now y'all can't do that anymore. Well, then all of a sudden you go back to your zone. And, and the thing is that you, you can kind of be predictable, but you can't, you know, in that respect. So you want to be able to have kind of both options out of the same formation so that, you know, as a deep coordinator, it's like, yeah, I'm going to take my chances here. I'm going to try to slam them up and, and prevent Zach Zinner from breaking one. And you know what? That's going to happen, man, because you can't combo a three-technique pirating. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how hard you fire off the ball. That's extremely difficult, right, for a guard, for a backside yeah. guard to swipe that up, right? Very tough. And so who am I to tell my guard that he's a piece of crap because he can't do it when I'll, when I'll, really all I should do is like, hey, listen, now, here's their pirate, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, here, here's what kind of signals their pirate, right? Um, you know, just be ready for it. We're going to check the run power. Just let that dude cross your base, watch him down. Tackle, just track up to the backside guy, and you're in good shape. We'll pull all the way around it, and then we'll be out the gate, right? Because all of a sudden, one of those backers is going to panic when all of that caves out. So, to, to me, I just – I've, I've never been a coach when I game plan to just try to fit a square thing into a round hole. You, you try, you try, you try, and you think, well, we can do this, we can do this technique and everything else. I want my O-line to play hard, play fast, play smart, play physical – I want them to fire off the ball. I don't want them thinking a lot. Make it easy. Make the call for them, and just get up and go. And sometimes, you know, when teams don't want to do that, just punish them for it. Yeah, we've got a lot of defensive coaches here in Oklahoma at the high school level. I say a bunch. Some that uh, that's kind of their answer. We run a lot of gap scheme, and and some of their answers are, you know, slant their three techniques underneath, or they're try to slant their fives, uh, pirate their fives, and hopefully they're not listening to this podcast yep. because uh, that's one of the best things they could do for us. <laughs> I mean, it, it just allows our tackle and our guard or whoever they're slanting across his face just to, you know, really get movement, cave them down out of the way and, and hit it right behind them. So, uh, you know, I'm always hoping that they're slanting, especially, uh, you know, pirating against uh, some of our gap scheme stuff. And, and Coach, you talk about, you know, being able to run power and zone. Um, I think it, it, it's just such a good compliment because uh, as far as at least how we teach it, you know, that – Front side gap, um, gap double on power is, you know, really similar for us to our back, backside zone double on zone. And so yep. we're getting a lot of reps with that same double team. Now it's to, the, to a different linebacker, and there's a little bit of changes. But for the most part, it's still stepping with that inside foot and jamming that second, that outside foot up into the three tech. So we're getting a lot of reps, whether we're running zone or power. It's still extremely similar, just maybe a different path of how they're coming off of them or, or where their eyes are. Right. Well, and, and you know, the, the thing, and, and you said it best, like where their eyes are, because obviously they're comboing to different factors. But one of the questions that you guys had asked on that the survey that you said was if you could do two, um, if you could do two run, uh, you know, uh, run drills, right? If you could do two run drills for the rest of the season every day, what would you do? And I just thought, well, two-step pop and combo progression, right? Because if you do anything, it's your first two steps, your hand placement, eye placement, and then your combo progression because your play-side power combo and your backside three-technique zone combo is extremely similar. So, you know, why not progress through both of those, marry the two together because your aiming points on the down guy are the same, your footwork's the same. You're just going to a different backer, right? Your angle, your angle's a little bit different. But right. other than that, it's really, really similar. Um, you know, so that's, you know, like I said, I, you know, you can do all kinds of fancy, like, run pro drills and stuff like that. And there's a, there's a place for those. But, shoot, if I could do two, it'd be those two 
every, every day, every day, not the no brainer. Was that stuff that you guys did do every day? So would you kind of break it up or would you guys have all your, your guys doing the same? So, I mean, if you're teaching base block, was everyone doing base block or maybe were you taking your tackles doing base block drills and then you'd have other guys doing combos? How would you kind of break that up, coach? Maybe kind of walk us through like your, your regular indie periods. I think a lot of our guys love to hear that stuff. So usually every day I would do, um, well, I would do the two-step hop every day. Okay. And, I, and of course I would do it. I would do inside zone, outside zone, two-step hop. I would do track, you know, track scheme inside, you know, uh, two-step hop. And I would work that into a progression. So I'd do a two-step hop and then I would almost do kind of what, like a, like a four-step hop. So we'd come out of the shoot with it and just kind of stop. And then we would do, you know, like a full drive. So it'd be like a two-step hop progression. And then, and that would be everybody regardless, right? Yep. So then, then, then you would come out, and then, of course, we would do combo progression. Now, I would usually work the guards and tackles together, guards and centers together, and then there would be days, too, where the tight ends would come over. So, like, if for whatever reason we wanted to run power versus a shade or whatever for that week or an A-gap defender, we would work together. Or, like, if we were doing, like, strong side, outside zone, we'd work together on that combo. So every now and then we'd have the tight ends come over with us. Um, but, yeah, that usually that was pretty much it. It's just that two-step hop and then the progression and then combo progression. And what I would also try to do, too, is that we would introduce our base run game on Mondays, of course. And I would try to stay focused only on those combos. Right? Yes. Meaning, yep. meaning if, if, let's say, we got into second, medium, second, long, and there were a few, like, run plays we wanted to do within there that maybe didn't, you know, that we didn't do on Mondays, well, I wouldn't focus on those combos on Monday. I would wait till that came in on, on Tuesday. So I would, you know, it's almost like, you know, I would want to prep them for the practice that they were doing today. Like we are doing first downs today. It's our base run game. This is what we're doing. These are the plays that we have installed. These are the only combos that we're going to focus on, right? And then you get into Tuesday and it's like, okay, this is when you're getting into your second along. Maybe, maybe you're sprinkling in some third downs. And then, of course, on Wednesday, you had your short yardage plays, your third down plays. You'd do combos again, but you'd stay focused on all that. Because, you know, you can, you know, you, you, would, you would like to think that on a play side power combo, that three technique, you would like to think that you did it 4,000 times in <laughs> two days, right? You would, you would think that you did it, but you still need to do it. Like, you still need to practice. You still need to coach. You still need to talk about aiming points and your footwork and everything else. And you got to be anal about it. You got to yeah. watch it. You got to see it. And, 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 there's, and, and then those easy times are times for coaching, right? So it's, Hey, you know, you had a full step right there and needs to go here or whatever. So that's usually kind of my progression throughout the run game. And of course we, we would do other things in the run game as well. Like, Oh geez, you name it. We would have run fits. We would have, um, you know, what we call demeanor drill, just kind of keeping our feet low and just kind of bumping our feet and keeping a wide base. Uh, we would do, you know, we'd work on our pulls and stuff like that. So, you know, it just, it just you know, th those things would kind of fluctuate a little bit. But everyday drills, two-step pop, combo progression, no-brainer. Coach, you talked that backside combo. To me, it's always the toughest part on zone on that backside is that guard, right? Getting his second step in the ground vertical so he can stake off any pressure that's coming down into him. Um, so, so, so we yep. kind of give him two different options depending on the linebacker. If the linebacker that he's going to is really far over, we kind of punch with a hand. And if the linebacker is really tucked back in, we let him go 
uh, shoulder and be a little heavier into it. Uh, I was kind of curious, you know, how, how do you teach that? Because it's something I'm trying to get better at, that backside guard on the backside of zone. How do you teach that as far yep. as, as where the linebacker is and, and how thick or how thin uh, that guard has to be into that three? So one thing that we started doing probably around the 14-15 season is any time if that backer was stacked up or maybe if we had the leverage on the backer if he was kind of hanging backside a little bit, you know, we could adjust because I would, I would always say this, and regardless of the combo or anything else, I would always say your first step, right, your first step directs you where to go. Your second step drives through your aiming point, right? Hmm. And, and remember, always, always, always blocking the down guy first. That was the key because what you don't want to do is you don't want to have a guard rush that backside three combo. All of a sudden, your tackle's out leverage, and it just drives into the play. And either you're running back and tackled, or he's got to cut it back into that backside linebacker. And that's kind of a mess you don't want to deal with. But what we started doing when that backer started out leveraging us, the backside backer, mm-hmm. we used to fold it. You just so let it, just, you just give yeah, it to, the, to them on the fly? That, that's right. So if they wanted to fold it, we, we called it – our backside combo was called the steam. If we wanted to fold it, we just stogie it. It's called the stogie. And so then my backside guard would just block back on the three technique or cut him, which I gave them the freedom to do as well. So you cut that three technique, your ta- your backside tackle just kind of gives a real quick skip pull. It takes a downhill angle at that inside even point on the backside linebacker. Boom, blocked up every time. Har- Harper, you see we started Har- Harper, you see why I like this guy? <laughs> I understand. It makes sense now. <laughs> I've been I trying mean, to get that, – that's what, that's what we did, man. It was fantastic. It was awesome. And, and, you know, it just gives the guys a little bit of ownership because then what you can do, too, is you can almost kind of quiz those guys. Like, you can put a cut-up together, right, of uh, just that combo, just a cut-up for them, the backside garden tackle. Exactly. To make those calls, right? So just it's sting, stogie, stogie, sting, stogie, stogie. And all you're doing is just showing them pictures of what exactly. that backside linebacker, where he's going to be, and where he's going to wind up being when other teams try to run inside zone against that guy, right? So what gap is he actually filling? Because then what that tells your backside tackle is like, listen, this is the downhill angle that you've got to take to get to that inside aim point to just blow that dude up because he's coming downhill to fill that gap. You're coming downhill to blow him up. Get ready for it or he's going to knock your dick off, right? <laughs> so you got to come downhill. And so every now and then, uh, uh, what our defense would do at SDSU is to stop that scheme they would they would slant or well they would um, they would turn the inside guys so they would slant the three technique in the shade right so not right. only would they out leverage it but they would they would slant that guy and keep that backside backer like hanging back that's that's pretty difficult because you would try to fold it and he would hang back but that's also a defense that knows exactly what you're gonna do sure. it's your defense yeah. right it's, yeah, it's your D coordinator that. Yeah, you know, so then you can kind of get into a dick measuring contest, you know, in that in that respect. But sorry, I probably shouldn't be saying that on the podcast. No, you're but, you're fine. Um, okay, um, we're all we're all ball coaches. That's um, right. <laughs> but 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 you but you but you get into a you know in that in that situation with you and the D line coach. But in a real game, you know, they might adjust to that by slanting or whatever. Well, then just great, go back to your power then. So amen. You know, that's just what you do. If you so, have a if you have a team that returns that nose uh, quite a bit, do you do you tell the tackle to peak the the shade and have to pull all the way around that, or are you telling them just be really tight, be up uh, underneath that shade if he does uh, cross the center space? 
normal. Okay, so well, I've done. I'll say this: it, it's hard for the tackle to go all the way around that nose. Right. But what I used to do because we don't we don't get a lot of noses crossing the center space unless it's pressure or something like that. And in that and in that case, it's like okay, great. You guys won that play or whatever. Gotcha. But normally, what I what I did with the backside guard is I would have him open up his split a little bit on all backside zones. So then that way the tackle had a little bit more room to get through there. So our normal splits were two feet, two foot splits. You know, if I if I knew that we were going to be full scheming a lot on a Saturday, I would have my backside guard. Hey, listen, now on your backside, you know, on the backside zone, the inside zone, we on that backside, make sure you open up your splits to about three. You know, and I would always tell them too. I say, I, I don't care if it's obvious. Who cares? Open it up. I mean, we're trying to execute a run play, right? Like the D the D coordinator on the sideline, he's not going to see your split. They're not going to yeah. see it until they watch film on Sunday. So open up that split, and then that way that gives the tackle a ton of room to kind of hit downhill. So even if that nose did cross the finish space, the tackle usually didn't have a lot of a lot of trouble getting through there. That was always something too. I mean, it's a it's a good point. Uh, we we would let them fold it too. I mean, if it was a really really tight shade, Harp. So if we if we had a tight shade and we knew it was a team that white loved to wipe the nose, right, that would be that would be something we we'd stay on it. But I mean, if it's a team that was playing, you know, a wider two eye, or he was a tilted nose and there's no chance of him working across, you know, then then we teach those guys. But it's just like Coach uh, Flynn was saying, you could give those guys those primo looks. You know what I'm saying? So right. the guy the guys oh, could exactly. see that see that from the butt shot, and it's like, oh, boom, sting this. Hey, we should be stinging this. Okay, now this would be a good time for a stogie call. It's like he said, those guys well, could rep through that stuff a ton, man. No doubt. Well, and the thing is this, too, is that, you know, you can go off your blitz keys, too, right? So yep. let's say you're playing a team that lines up just kind of in that A-gap or like a 2-I or maybe it's like in Nebraska, right? Or Nebraska, old school Nebraska where they do the double twos, you know, whatever. Yep. You know, yep. the thing is that, you know, if a blitz key is them, you know, coming down into a shade, well, then more than likely your play side tackle is going to be making an up call or something like that anyways, which mm -hmm. any sort of over gap, you know, whatever, you know, we called it an up call, but you know, basically since everybody over up one man, so essentially you pass off the blitz and, you, you know, so your backside guard is going to wind up taking over the shade, your center is going to wind up taking over the DN, your play side guard and tackle are going to wind up working out to the blitzer as well as the play side backer. So, you know, you're passing all that stuff off. So if a blitz key is a shade, or, or a slant, you know, key is a shade, well, then just zone it up, right? Like right. combos are all off. Zone it up because it's all, it's all going to wind up working into your gap anyways. Because yeah. in our world, you know, when I was in state, you know, it's, you know, the thing is that zone is zone. It's, it's, it's zone blocking with the option demand combo, right? Yes. So, you know, you, you can't let your whole line forget, like, hey, backside guard on zone, you still have the place on A gap. Like, that's yours. Right. right. Backside tackle. You still got the backside B gap. That's yours. You know, it still is a zone play, but it's zone blocking with the option to man combo. And in your man combo, and every time it's like, okay, we're comboing this guy to this guy, right side guard center, you're comboing this guy to this guy. You know, it's very, very basic. And, but what they can't forget is we might have to zone this up. Like, we might have to pass all this off if they're going to slant into us, you know? So that's one thing, too, that we call off our backside combo. The other, the other big question for me is, is um, and it's kind of, I've gone back and forth and I've kind of done it both ways and I've kind of done one where I, I marry them both together is you've got the backside tight shade um, to the center, you're running zone uh, to the three technique. What's your technique that you're working with the center? Is he working play side guard? Is he working backside guard? Is he peeking 
front side guard and then getting vertical on the second step. How do you, how do you coach that or, or how are the, you know, what, what dictates how you use it in a certain game? I'm with you. And, and that happened to us quite a bit. So if you started to have like a true, like sometimes we would play teams that would tilt their shades and, and just that's kind of what they did. That was kind of, it, it, I'll say this, it depended on where that play side linebacker was, right? Because what I go. don't yep. ever want the play side, I, I, what I never wanted the play side guard to do, I never wanted him to come, you know, back to the center only to have to cross his body and come back play side, right? Like, mm-hmm. I need my play side guard to stay on a track, right, to the play side backer. Now, does that mean that the center's not always going to have a combo? Yeah, and that's the tough thing about running zone against a tilted shade, right? Right. Um, you know, and, and, and maybe there were some weeks where we wouldn't run inside zone versus the tilted shade. We would check it. We would run back towards the three technique, whether we were running power or – Whatever you know, if they if they traded it up, but and I was fortunate, I was blessed enough through my years to have really special centers that I coached, like you know, guys like Ben Haber and then Jacob Onasorgi and those types of guys who were really special players. Who like Oni, he would get on that, he would get like square down the middle of that shade and fight towards that playside number, and basically a stalemate was a win because Oni would. I mean, he was a little bulldog. I mean, he would walk onto that guy and just run his feet like crazy. And he may get, you know, he's not going to win a powerlifting contest. He's not going to drive that dude five yards back. But my playside guard was able to stay on his track. My playside tackle tackle was soloed up. And then if anything, like if Oni felt that that guy was going to cross his face, he would just call the backside to zone it up. So the guard would zone up with him. Backside tackle was zone up with the three technique. So, you know, it, it kind of wound up working itself out. But I had pretty special centers that would basically aim at that place, I'd aim a point of that tilted or the shade itself and just lock on like a madman and just try to run your feet and just basically a stalemate would be a win. So, and that's, and that's tough. I mean, you know, so then it's like, then, well, then what do you do? Well, then versus teams like that who want to tilt their shade and they kind of want to play that B-gap place side backer, well, then just run it. Weak side, outside zone on them. Run around that dude. Sure. You know, um, <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, that that's, again, that's kind of oversimplifying it, but. It's like, holy smokes, if, you know, if you're kind of getting into, um, you know, that kind of competition, just run around it. Sure. And, and you're seeing, you know, like the, the Bills, the Buffalo Bills, and, and I think Okie State did it quite a bit, and I'm sure a bunch of other teams. I know I saw Missouri, uh, I think Heupel did it some but when he was at Missouri, but they get that tight yep. shade and, and they just run outside zone to the shade, but they, you know, without a tight yep. end, and they pin the nose and they let the center pull around for the front side linebacker. And, and that we, was, we've, you know, we've done that too. Yep, yep, we've done that too. We did same same kind of mentality as the Stogie. If you're out leveraged by the play side linebacker, then pin and pull your play side garden center too. The thing that the thing that kind of one thing that you tried to that we tried to play with a little bit was that you know sometimes because I had a uh, so I had a guard. His name was uh, uh, well uh, shoot I can't say his name but anyway. Anyways, I had a guard. It's kind of an honorary player. And anytime he wanted to do a pin and pull at the center, he would tee off. And basically, he would tee off. He would tee off so hard that he would drive that nose into the backside combo. Yeah. And sometimes it would it, it would pin the backside guard. You know, it would like pin him, and he couldn't get up to the second level. So you know, really to me, that's kind of a game time decision. Like, okay, are we going to pin and pull or not this week? And if so, then 
Do we need to open? Because I'll say this. If we're running any sort of backside zone, I always would give my backside guard the opportunity to open his split up a little bit. Yes. Because more than likely, he's not working with anybody front side. So if anything, give you and the tackle some room to work and just open it up and run free with it. And, and so a lot of times, if we were pinning the pool on the front side like that, then my guard, you know, we would open it up and split, and he would have a chance to get up to the second level. I, see, I love that adjustment so much. I mean, against the teams that really want to rock that backside linebacker, because I mean, you're running, you're running mm-hmm. that midline, midline track. I always loved that that the center fold. It just kind of gave you that play. So you know, rather than having to put the guy in the pistol and giving him that that tackle box track, now he can still take that right. downhill track, get those backers to you know to sit on top of the double teams or rock, and then he could have that late bounce and follow the center because you know not many people are are reading that block of the center or reading the movement of the center. So I, I personally right. love some of that center we, fold did, stuff. That's, that's some of the stuff I've kind of been researching this off season too. We, we did a lot of that too. If you go back to uh, when we played Kansas in 2015 at Lawrence, we did a lot of that. We would run um, outside zone versus that tight shade. And my mm-hmm. backside or my playside guards would have just free range to just open up all ass. And just take that outside zone angle on that place out linebacker, and they would just chop them every time. Boom. <laughs> we were chopping, 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 chopping. And, you know, we, and of course, you know, it's not every day when the Missouri Valley team rolls into a Big 12 school and wins, you know, when we beat Kansas in 2015. So that was something that we put a lot of emphasis on was like, hey, we need to chop, we need to cut. You know, that's something that I placed a lot of emphasis on. And so, of course, when we, you know, we started running that lot of outside zone against Kansas, we were chopping them down. So, you know, that's a good thing, too, because it just gives your guard a chance, your playside guy, to just open up and call ass and just pick that, you know, outside aim a point and chop them down, make it easy. You, you talk about cutting a, a couple of different times, even like on that backside, backside fold. Um, I had a, a center in college that could do it a little bit, but I was curious, have you, have you ever taught the center to cut uh, blocking back on like power against the three technique or, a, a, you know, a shift? Yes, because – Oh, or, and how oh do you yeah, yes, that? because – <laughs> so I used to do that. I used to do that myself in college. I used to love it. Yeah, the uh, centers love doing it. I've just never, I've never, he oh. even, didn't, no one ever even taught him. He just kind of taught himself. So I just, you know, kind of curious, uh, maybe some coaching points you had for it. So like, like any cuts, you always want to rip your arm through the near side sideboard, right? Whichever, whichever direction you're trying to run, right? So let's say I'm a center and I've got a, I've got a shade or just a, two eye or whatever on my right and we're running power to the left okay well usually that near side board is what i would aim for so i'd always tell my centers i would just say as soon as you snap that ball pop that right arm back and basically punch him right in his acl <laughs> and that's that's what they that's what they would do every time because that's what was that's what was coached to us to do you know we used to overemphasize it too there's nothing worse when you watch an o-line or even one of your own guys and they don't, like, fully rip their body through. Like, I'm talking pull your arm back as far as you can go and just rip it through and throw your whole body through that aim point because you see a lot of O-linemen now that they'll kind of just fall down almost. Yes. Like, they kind of you – know, there's, no, there's no flying through the cut. Like, you have to move through the cut. And, you know, you watch linebackers and D-line. You know, they do the big uh, – you know, the cut drills where they roll the big balls at them and they kind of put their hands down. That's what's going to happen to you if you don't like catapult your body through that near thigh board, 
And so we used to work, and that 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 was a Thursday drill for me. We weren't cut drills on Thursdays. Um, and so we would cut linebackers, we'd cut down guys, we'd cut on our, uh, you know, uh, quick game and pass pro. We 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 worked all that stuff. And so and we just used the big agiles, you know, and we just cut through those. And and I would even I would even incorporate if there were certain plays where I wanted guys cutting, I would incorporate. I'd bring the agiles over to the scout team, and they would hold the agiles. Or shoot, I would run over there and play linebacker, and like I would have a flow like a backer, you know, that what they would do. And I'd hold that agile and I'd have my guys cut it every time. Boom. So we would work that awesome. as a team. That's awesome. I, to me, I like that. I mean, and, and you can do, like you said, I mean, you, you just, you just create the situation. So you, you've got your specific plays we want to cut, you know, if there's screens at, at the college level, obviously you could cut. So, I mean, it, it'd be yep. the same thing. And I, I, like you said, you know, Thursdays was, was an awesome day to do that too. And you could always get guys on the move. I mean, you see a lot of, defensive drills now where they're pulling the agile bag behind them and they're working the the hawk roll tackle you know it's it's the same philosophy right. for for the offensive lineman as well all you gotta do is get a piece of them you know being able to, to teach it. those guys especially especially in in space you know we can't obviously do that in high school but you know i still think it's good for for offensive linemen to see and learn because hey you want to play at the next level you know up your skill set a little bit too you know no doubt and if you can get that guy to just stop Maybe you don't get the cut. Maybe you yeah. didn't. Maybe your aiming point was there, and maybe he defended it. If you get that dude to just stop his feet for a second, that's a win. And that guy may even make the tackle, man. I don't know. But if you just, you know, because we used to measure knockdowns in college, and I measured on that uh, state. You know, guys would have a competition, and we had a. It was kind of neat. We had a bowling ball that we'd get out every week, and then at the end of the season, for the guys who had the most knockdowns, why well, I would put the decal on the bowling ball, and then. Anyways, it was a super. It was kind of an internal deal. We just kind of did it on our own. But guys took pride in that, man. Like they'd come to the sideline at like third quarter, and they would talk to each other like, "How many knockdowns you get on that series?" They would talk <laughs> to each other about it. That's and, awesome. So, you know, they were they, they were competing for it. So it was something neat. You know, old lineman, we don't get anything, man. So I thought, right. well, if I'm gonna give my guys something, I'm gonna do a bowling ball or something like that. So it was neat. Well, coach, last kind of technical question for me. Um, Blocking back, you're not going to cut, but you are blocking back on gap scheme. Um, you know, I, I always hear from coaches, uh, whatever, aim and put your face in front of them, have a heavy backside arm. Um, I, I've never just really been extremely happy with that, that answer. And, and honestly, right now, that's the answer I have for my center and ends up being, you know, he's a good one. And so it's, hey, kind of figure it out as you go. You, you're going to have a feel for it just by doing it a bunch of times. But I'd like to have a little bit better of a coaching point. Um, what, what's your coaching point for your guys when they are blocking back um, against gap scheme? The, the thing that, that I used to tell my guys, and not just the gap scheme, but really in general, you, you want to block 100% of the man, right? So what does that mean? Well, there's a lot of, you know, it, it, as you look at a human being, like if I'm standing in front of you and I want to block 100% of you right now, I'm going to block right down the middle of you, right? My hands are going to go on your chest and I'm just going to walk directly in front of you. That's me being one-on-one. -on -one. That's 100%, right? Then with a center, though, it's kind of hard to say that because if you're looking out at a two-eye or just a gap player, whatever you're about to block back on, he's at an angle. Like all you see I guess you would say once you take that step at him, and I used to tell my guys to take near step at the block back unless you feel like he's going to cross your face, and then you can fall step the opposite step if you want, if you think he's going to cross face. But eight times out of ten, 
you can step right at him. But what I would do is I would say, well, if you're going to block 100% of the man at an angle, so like if, if I'm if I'm in, if the human being is in front of me right now, in chest to chest, but let's say you turn sideways and you gave me your shoulder, right? Well, if I'm going to block 100% of you, then I'm probably just going to grab your ribs and kind of your shoulder, and I'm just going to drive you on a you know directly ahead, right? Same thing can be said on a block back. You can't really block 100% of the band because you're not necessarily chest to chest in that percent, you know, because you're more than an angle. So what I used to tell my guys to block 100% of the band, step step at your block back, right, which is fine. Drive that second step into the ground because your second step is when you deliver your blow, it's still a two-step pop. But I would always tell my center to just punch, punch your hands right into his near ribs and just drive as hard as you can on an angle to get him out of there. Because in an ideal world, you're physical enough to drive into that backside, reaching hinge on the tackle. So essentially, you can kind of help eliminate uh, penetration. Now, your aiming point, so I used to say this too. So your, your face mask and your helmet, never block tool, only use it for aiming point, right? Guys, keep your faces out. They can look, they can see. Utilize your hands, utilize your flippers, things like that. So depending on the two-eye that I was talking to, that we were coaching against, if that guy was like super penetration up, uphill, you know, would blow up the puller, if that was kind of the case, then I would essentially tell my center to try to get his head in front of the guy, to at least at least try to land it on the shoulder, you know, to try to, to just to try to stop that penetration. But, you know, nowadays you get a lot of those two techniques who are going to play hard, and what they're going to do is they're going to fill that guard pool and they're going to turn and hit right into that center right away, right? Because right. they're supposed to gap this place. And then cross so, face, yep. Right, and then try to cross face. So I, I just got to a point where I was coaching where I told my centers, punch him right in his ribs, right? The ribs that you see, punch him right into his ribs or into his near hip. Because if you're aiming for his hip, more than likely you'll land into his ribs. But that's the aiming point that I would give. And, and because then what you do is you kind of land yourself into a position where you can – kind of grab not only his ribs but kind of his pads and then if he does try to spin out of it across your face you're kind of still in control of him right and is that his hip and ribs where it is in his stance or where you think he's going to fire off at because that, that's kind of been the, the other big question as far as walking back to that center I, I hear that aiming point is it where he is in his stance right now or where you think he's going to fire off uh, when the ball snaps Probably where he's going to fire off. I mean, you always want to, you know, we used to say, um, well, Kevin Wills used to tell us, and, and he'd say, you know, when you're driving down the highway and you want to throw your beer bottle at the uh, the road sign, you don't throw your beer. He'd say, you don't throw your beer bottle where the sign is. You throw your beer bottle where the sign's going to be, right? <laughs> I, I use that analogy. This is, it kind of sounds silly. I use that analogy when I got to state. And they all looked at me funny, and I was like, well, of course we don't drink beer in cars, guys, you know. <laughs> um, but, 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 of course, you know, pheasant hunting is really, really big in South Dakota, right? Yep. So I, I, would say, I would say shoot the pheasant where it's going to be, not where it is, right? So, of right. course, they got that analogy. And it was the same thing here. You know, your aiming point, I can give it to you, but shoot your aiming point where the guy's going to be, not where he is. So that's, that was my philosophy on, on that. That's good stuff, man. Harp, you got anything else you got for him, man? Uh, just last one, coach, that, that I kind of ask everybody. Um, you're, you watch a lot of film, obviously. Um, you know, when you're watching another offensive line play, what, what's, um, what's, what, what would they do that would make you 
think really highly of their offensive line coach. Do they play hard? Do they finish blocks? Um, is, is the effort there? Do they look like they're trying to do what they're coached to do? You know, te- technique is technique is subjective, right? Um, you know, in, in, in that respect. And so, you know, there might be something that you do that works for your guys that I might disagree with, and that's okay. So I never really looked at, you know, like technique that I agreed with. But, you know, we, we would watch. I mean, of course, coaching in the Valley, and every single line you go up against is going to be good, right? I mean, you and I always had a good line. NDSU, Youngstown, I mean, you name it. Sure. So they're, they're all good old lines. The, the big thing that I would look for is like, okay, are these guys, is the effort there? Are they trying to finish blocks? Are they, are they hustling? Are they running to try to find somebody to block? Um, that, to me, always showed me signs of an offensive line coach that just kind of took the shackles off of his guys and just allowed them to play fast, you know, and to play hard. And, you know, uh, and, 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 you know, and you can tell guys that are well coached too, you know, they're trying to execute their technique and, you know, but just, you know, versus on the flip side, watching old linemen that don't finish blocks or quit or like they watch plays, you know, they just kind of stand around, you know, it just, to me, that just kind of, that always kind of hurts me a little bit. Like I used to get on to my guys like, Hey, listen, I mean, if you're going to sit around and watch the game, then just buy a ticket, you know, like we're right. here to block somebody, like take pride in just finding some soul to block, you know, block someone. And, you know, when you kind of take the shackles off your guys that they're going to be praised for playing hard and doing well. And, you know, and that's something that I learned from coach Stiglmeyer at state, you know, love your guys, man. And, Love on them, care about them, coach them hard. But at the end of the day, you know, if they know that you care about them and that you love them, they're going to play hard for you regardless. And so when I would watch an old line play hard, that's when I knew, like, all right, these boys are coached up. Like, they're doing well. Those guys are having fun, you know. That's, I always thought that. I, I like that you said that, too, because I, to me, it's anytime you see kids that are playing hard, that, that means that they, they like and respect their coach. You know, I mean, they, they yeah, they're, they they're, they're, you know, guys, guys aren't going to play very hard for some tyrant and a guy that they can't stand. You know, I mean, it's, it's just you know, like it, it, the guys you work for, if you like your boss, you're probably going to work a lot harder for your boss. I mean, I think it's, no it's the same, it's the same thing for these kids. I mean, when they, when they know that, you know what you're talking about for one, so you're not a moron coaching them, <laughs> you know, you're, uh, right. you're, you're a guy, you're a guy that cares about him. You're not just grinding them into the dirt. You know, you're, you're teaching them things. You're teaching them about life. You care about him. You have them over so your wife can cook for him. I think at the end of the day, all of a sudden now those guys are like, Hey man, you know, coach Flynn makes football fun. I want to play hard for, for coach Flynn. I want to, I want to please my coach and I want to play. So I, I think that that can't be overlooked when guys play hard. It really shows me that, yeah, the, that coach is doing a good job of, of loving up on his guys. No doubt about it. No, no doubt, man. I mean, when you start to get invitations to your former players' weddings and stuff like that, I mean, that's stuff that you can't trade, man. I mean, that's, you know, I, I can't stress that. Enough. I mean, that, that's something that's been just an absolute treat for me is, you know, getting invitations to weddings, getting random text messages from older guys, um, you know, getting a phone call on – 
a Sunday when Brian Witzman calls you to tell you that he made active roster for the Chiefs. You know, like he, you know, th- th- those are things that you know, when you get those phone calls from guys that are excited about something good that's happened to them, I mean, that is such a treat, man. That's so rewarding. That's why you do it. No you don't doubt. do it to make ton of, you don't do it to make a ton of money. Although that's a nice perk, right? But you don't do it. You don't do it for that reason. I mean, yeah. you know, if anybody gets into coaching to try to make a lot of money, you're going to be miserable. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. I want to again thank our sponsors, Powerlift, Sky Coach, and Team Attack Academy. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.